Welcome to Sunday Commentary, a weekly program designed to break open the Sunday Scripture readings. Join us as we listen to God's Word and seek to grow in our love and understanding for the good news in our lives. And now, Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman. The Liturgical Scripture Readings for the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. If he gives his life as an offering for sin, he shall see his descendants in a long life, and the will of the Lord shall be accomplished through him. Because of his affliction, he shall see the light in fullness of days. Through his suffering, my servant shall justify many, and their guilt he shall bear. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Responsorial Psalm, Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. See, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope for his kindness to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Our soul waits for the Lord, who is our help and our shield. May your kindness, O Lord, be upon us, who have put our hope in you. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He replied, What do you wish me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, We can. Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or at my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John. Jesus summoned them and said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not so be among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As we begin our 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time, I want to once again thank Aaron for proclaiming the scriptures with me, and we are giving Carla the week off, so she will be back soon. 
I do want to start off by thanking folks for supporting the share this past week. Uh, your help uh, makes an incredible difference for us and to be able to stay here on Mater Day Radio and KBVM and uh, to keep the lights on and, and that gospel going through the airwaves. So thank you for that. And also just a reminder that Sunday Commentary is podcasting. So you can go to your favorite podcasting, Spotify or Apple or Google Music or anything like that. Type in Sunday Commentary Mater Day and click that follow button and you can take us anywhere you want. Well, for this 29th Sunday, I really got a theme of, I would say, um, not just suffering, but I would say directed suffering. And the realization of how suffering allows the will of God to be accomplished. It's the emptying of oneself. Um, and, And when we do that, I really think it's very important for us to have a purpose associated with that. Let's offer up our prayers and our works and our joys and our sufferings in order to accomplish the will of God and to take fruits from our suffering and offer it up for others and how important I think that is. And we certainly see the share of suffering that Isaiah went through. This was in his fourth and final suffering servant song. Uh, And these words to begin with are so, so poignant. The Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. Now, I don't believe that there was, I don't think God had pleasure in crushing the servant. What I will say is that I do believe that God was pleased with the servant's willingness to suffer and how important that is to develop that discipline in our lives, because when we conform ourselves to Christ, our, his will will be accomplished. And we see here as it ends in Isaiah 53, through his suffering, my servant shall justify many. And, and I think the reality here is there is suffering associated with sin. <laughs> and, and this reading can really be seen, I think, in many, one of many lenses. It could be seen as this individual servant, if you take that very literally. You could see it as Israel as a whole. You, of course, can see a typology of Christ, our Savior, as that suffering servant. And you can also see that today, the suffering of ourselves or those around us in our world today. So this can be seen through many lenses. But at least at the time of the prophecy, Israel had developed a belief that one's, one person's suffering could compensate for the sins of many. And that's what we directly hear in today's first reading. And it really made me reflect on the fact that, you know, this is not necessarily a very popular topic. It's not necessarily an easy topic to talk about. But I do think we need to spend some time talking about sin, talking about suffering, but then also talking about reconciliation. Because our society today has become so numb to sin. We are so barraged with images and things of this world that we and and so much noise in our society that we become so numb to this. And, and quite frankly, sin is an offense against reason. It's an offense against truth. It's avenged, offense really against right conscience. And I think ultimately it's ultimate, uh, rooted in some form of selfishness, whether it is our desire for power or money or lust or ego. Uh, we all struggle with this because we all have concupiscence. So I'm speaking to myself as much as I am speaking uh, to you listeners today. So we need to remember that there are two types of sin. There's a venial sin, which is really just a wounding of ourselves and our call to charity. But there also is a very serious mortal sin. It's really a rebellion against God. It's a loss of that sanctifying grace. It's something that says you have to have grave matter 
we have to have full knowledge that it's a grave sin, and we have to have deliberate consent to actually rebel against God. And how important it is, if we ever find ourselves in that situation, to immediately go and seek uh, confession and reconciliation. And one thing we don't really like to talk about also uh, is something that is in the Catechism. It's paragraph 1868. I'd encourage you to kind of reflect on this, where it says, Sin is a personal act, but we also have a responsibility for the sins committed by others when we cooperate in them. We cooperate in them by participating directly or voluntarily. We cooperate in them by ordering or advising or praising or even approving them. Uh, We cooperate by not disclosing or hindering them when we have an obligation to do so. And we also cooperate in sin when we protect evildoers. Now, this, of course, these... This obviously is very direct. <laughs> it's not something that you'll hear on many of these stations these days. But I also want to want to really encourage people that this must be done carefully and with charity. Uh, I think we all probably have stories of where we have tried to um, to draw a person away from sin, and probably stories where this has gone well, and probably stories that has not gone so well. <laughs> so, so again, this is something that we can never, you know formally and materially approve of sin, cooperate in sin, or approve others in doing that. We always need to try and draw people back gently with charity and with love back into the love of Christ. That may not always be easy, and I ask you just to pray about that if that situation comes up for you. So what do we do when we sin? Okay, this is the process of of repentance. You know, we have a conversion back to the Lord, right? And it's something that has to come from the heart, something that has to come from our interior. And one of the, I guess one of the things that I really like to reflect on when I struggle with this is the picture by Rembrandt, the prodigal son. And when you look at this, there are really eight steps to conversion. And this comes from um, the book by now and, um, but this is so important that if I want to just reflect on my life and our and the sin that I have in my life, I go to these eight steps. Steps one and two is the fascination with the illusion of freedom and the abandonment of the father's house. Think about the story of the prodigal son, which we all know well. First of all, that illusion of freedom really is an illusion. Here's a guy who has everything he needs and more, but he has this illusion that things are going to be better somewhere else. He is seeking that licentia, that freedom from constraint, where really we need to seek the libertas, that freedom to excel. So he has this illusion of freedom, this freedom from constraint. And what does he do? The second step is he abandons his father's house. And he doesn't just kind of like pack up his things and leave. He leaves in a very dramatic way. He is not just content with leaving. He took his share of inheritance. And quite frankly, he said after um, the hurtful and offensive things that he did, <laughs> he signed off all his possessions and he ultimately takes that inheritance saying basically to his family, I can't wait till you die, right? I'm renouncing my, my, my airship. I'm taking everything that is mine and I'm going off and doing my own thing. Well, what happens with that? Steps three and four. He has extreme misery after squandering his fortune. Then he has deep humiliation at feeding the swine, right? For the prodigal son, the money eventually runs out. The leeches leave. <laughs> he, he probably found himself penniless, friend, pennilessness, 
and friendless. Um, but, you know, ultimately a guy's got to eat and famine was spread through the land. And think about how humiliated he must have been, this son of this wealthy you know, person. He starts off as this rich landowner. He messes it up and he ends up with nothing. I mean, how important it would be to maybe like go interview him today. You know, like, like here you are, you started off with everything and you end up with nothing. Let me tell me, please, how you messed up your life, how you how you messed all this stuff up. I'm going to take good notes and make sure I don't do the same thing because he not only has no money and no food, he's separated from his father's house. He gave up his sonship and he has to feed the swine. Steps five and six, he reflects on all he had lost and a repentance and a decision to clear himself guilty before his father. This is so important in our interior life is to reflect and repent. I, I really think that's something that separates us from, from us as humans to other mammals. Mammals is that ability to reflect and ability to change our future actions. This is a huge piece of the conversion process because it enables us to make a decision to return to the father. So he repents, he decides to declare himself guilty, and he decides to journey back to his father's house. Finally, steps seven and eight, the journey home and his father's generous welcome. This is so important that that repentance, that journey back home is a journey, and it's a journey that requires effort. And it's not always easy, but you have to be willing to take that journey, to change, to be to ultimately receive and come to a new place and, and to receive ultimately what we see is step eight, the father's generous welcome. Remember the prodigal son ends while he was still at a distance. His father saw him, had compassion on him, ran, embraced him and kissed him. That is the repentance that we find at the grace of confession and the sacrament of reconciliation. So ultimately we take this sin that we live in today the sins that we suffer in our souls, come back to the fount of mercy. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman, produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.